0: Chapter six and the title is Sanctification. You guys did good that commercial. Does anybody besides me remember that commercial? Are you serious? The ketchup commercial? And tis, okay, but anyway, that's right. Let's uh, let's just uh, skip that and keep cruising. That's right. How about we stand up and take a breath or something? Do you say, "Hey, are we awake tonight?" Let's uh, all right. Let's just even skip that, shall we? Are you holy? Well, thanks for asking, Ruth. That is where we left off and started to talk about yesterday, or last week. And uh, that is the question, sanctification, okay? Because what we saw is it's one of those Christianese words, right? Sanctification, justification, you know, the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's great stuff, and it's good Bible, good terminology. Okay, but uh, what are you talking about? Well, what we're talking about is, if you will, maturity in Christ. And we began to break that down. That's can't be a christianese phrase what do you mean mature you just get older i've been saved for nine thousand years doesn't mean you're a mature christian time frame how it is it's your life and the whole goal of if you're really a mature christian is every day are you being more holy like god in your everyday experience that's the test of maturity not the test of time okay well one is sanctification that's what we talked about and there's three different ones that we saw last Week, If you were here, just to uh, recap with that, and what we saw, the first one, of course, is the positional one, and we're going to get into that again tonight, Lord willing, and that's the one that Christ has done for us, that's our position, whether we see it right now or not, that's how God views us, praise God, and that certainly helps with eternal security, okay, Uh, and then there's practical uh, uh, sanctification, the word he uses is progressive, whatever you want, that's basically your everyday uh, experience and that's probably what we're going to finish with our study tonight focusing on that aspect and then the neat one he says there's actually another one and that is our future sanctification okay is what's going on there and that's basically all the things that christ has won for us that he considers us holy now he's made us holy through his sacrifice his work on the cross it comes to fruition we experience it now forever and ever and ever in heaven and that's all we will ever know and that's our future sanctification, okay? But we left off on the top of page 64, positional sanctification. Let's read that verse again and pick up where we left off. Paul starts his first letter to the Corinthians this way. Paul, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, uh, to those who have been sanctified in Christ. Now, what's he talking about? Sanctified. That's a good word, sanctified. Now, again, if you want to sound evangelistic and grab people's attention, that's right, Orson, put a uh on the end of those key words. Sanctified Uh, In the Bible a. Uh. It says "uh," Right, Ruth uh? right? Okay, but anyway, that's right. Now i got your attention a little bit better. You're waking up. Sanctified in Christ. What's he talking about? He's talking about this, okay? He's talking about our lives, our maturity, our life. Are we looking more like Jesus every day? And what's the standard? Holiness. Be ye holy because I am holy is what God's talked about. Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Saints by calling with all who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord, hello, and ours. The English word saints, holy. Holiness and sanctify, all translate a common Greek root word having the idea, this is where we left off last time, purity. Right? Because he's talking about positional truth, okay, and then of course we're gonna see that he wants you to now live that which you are, practically in sanctification, purity, a e. a separation from sin. Why? Well, what's holiness? Separation from sin, right? So he's just wanting us to live up to that which he's made us positionally. Okay, and uh, that's what we talked about last time. You guys, How many guys went home and you squirted the mustard and the chocolate syrup and grape jelly and that chunky blue cheese in your water and said, ooh, honey, I've got to drink some of this stuff. This is awesome, right? Well, that's what we left off last time is uh, that's what we're doing. When we don't take this sanctification, this maturity issue, you can say, hey, I've been a vessel for Jesus Christ for 500 years. But if inside your vessel is a bunch of this impurity, you're not impressing God. I'll tell you what, and you're certainly not being a good advertisement for Jesus. Okay, it's where we left off last time. Now let's continue on. In Paul's introductory words, he points out that the Corinthian believers, as well as all who call upon the name of Christ for salvation, have been what sanctified. Ugh. Okay, the Greek perfect tense is used here. This is really cool, which indicates a listen a completed action with continuing results. Now this is cool. And uh, this is some of the benefits of knowing the Greek and the verb tensing and all that stuff. Because you've you got all kinds of things that are going on. But when you've got this tense that's going on here, you basically have a completed action, okay, if you will, draw a dot. And then it's, it's got continued results. Just, it's just the way it is. It's not going to change it. It's going, phew, into infinity. And so when Jesus, at a point in time, we got saved through his work on the cross, we got sanctified positionally, made holy, literally a saint, in God's eyes, not because of us, in spite of us, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. And that continues on forever and ever and ever, and ever, 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 ever. Now, just that one Greek verb tensing, you know what that tells you? Our uh, salvation is secure. Uh, let me add this word. It's eternally secure. Why? Because the Greek literature says it was a one-time act, yes, but you can't change it. It's in infinity heading forward forever and ever and ever, and that's what he's talking about, okay, and that's what he's talking about. Uh, Dr. N states, this is the believer's position or standing before God based on the death of Christ. Notice it's his work, not ours. In positional sanctification, the believer is accounted holy before God. Turn to somebody and say, you are a holy, right? Now, Ruth, if you want to be evangelistic, how do you say that? Holier. So let's try that as you still are trying to wake up tonight. You are holia. holier. Byron, you almost moved that time. i oh, there you go. Now you're moving. That's right. You are holy, okay, is what he's talking about. In positional sanctification, the believer is kind of holy before God, and he's declared. Listen, this is our identity as a saint. That's your blank there. Isn't that wild? We've talked about this many times. It's mind-blowing. This positional sanctification is achieved through the what? Repeated act? Hopefully it's going to work. No, the once and for all death of Christ, Hebrews chapter 10. So we are all positionally made holy on the basis of Christ's death on the cross at the point of belief. That's what he's saying. Right here it happened, and praise God, it never stops. It can stop. You're not going to reverse it? Why would you w- reverse it? That's a straw man argument, isn't it? You know, people say, well, you know, okay, yeah, fine, Greek out on me, uh, Pastor Billy. But, uh, and you say it's going to last forever. Well, what if a person was going on this little line here, and they wanted to jump off, if you will? What? Really? Okay, how, how many guys here tonight are saved, born again, glad you're going to heaven? Right? Rest in, we know who to pray for now. That's my secret technique with the can out of the bag. You did it, Ron. That worked awesome. Okay, okay. <laughs> anyway. Okay, now how many tonight, born again, saved God, praise God, uh, going to heaven, want to give it up right now and go burn straight in hell? Woo! See, it's called a straw man argument. Some people say, oh, but what if, but what if? No true born-again Christian with the Spirit of God desires that. Do you des- No, it's, co- it's common sense, okay, is what they say. But anyway, so let's continue on. We're made holy on the basis of Christ's death on the cross at the point of belief. In other words, listen, even little Johnny, who is only seven years old, a born-again Christian, is what? All right, now turn to somebody and say, what is your name? Gosh, words, they're a neat concept. You guys should try them once in a while. I read an article one time. (laughs) Just skip it. I'm assuming you know the person's name. Let's skip that little thing. Just turn to that person and say, you're a saint, and put their name there. Let's just forget this audience participation and go back to teaching. Wow, let's get some coffee for next week. That's what he's saying, St. Ruth. St. Uh, Jim, St. Saint Joyce, St. Ron, St. Mary. I mean, it's, 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 that's who we are in Christ. Whether we live like it completely, of course we can't. Uh, uh, it's not the Spirit's fault. It's us not being obedient to him, okay? Because we're gonna see God's given us everything we need to be that which he's made us to be forever here this side of heaven. But that's who we are. That's the only way ever. Did you know, this is mind blowing. Did you know that God loves you, the Christian, just as much now as he did the very first day he saved you. Even after all the baloney we've been through. Isn't that awesome? Why? Because positionally we're a saint. That's who we always will be. From the point we got saved, forever saint so-and-so. So when you go to work tomorrow, you change your nameplate, you change the way you introduce yourself. Hi, guys. In case you don't know. Doug into St. Mary. That's right. Wouldn't that be cool if we would only address ourselves like that? Yeah, let's just keep going. All right, so, uh, and that means you are a saint too if you have faith in Jesus Christ if you're a born-again Christian. Now, that's positional. Okay, let's get back to this one. This is the main guy. This is where the rubber meets the road. Now, listen, this is where people get this all messed up, okay? When it comes to, especially those who say you can lose your salvation because what they do is they'll take a look at a uh, practical truth and then they'll somehow try to apply it to a positional truth. Right? To get it to deny. And They don't understand. Okay? They'll say, well, you know, well, you've got to be holy. But if you're not holy like God is, you're going to lose your salvation. No, because positionally it's already done. It's safe and secure in Christ. And you have to understand when the scripture's talking about be ye holy, he's not, there's not like a contingency, otherwise you're not going to heaven, as if it's works-based, that's a contradiction of scripture, or I am God, and okay, maybe somewhere along he's going to kick you out of this thing. You have to understand the context. When he's talking about that, he's talking about a practical sanctification that does not affect your eternal salvation. And it doesn't deny the positional truths of who he has made us, you understand? And when people don't understand that the Bible actually talks about three forms of sanctification, they get them all mixed up. And it, well, that's what the Bible says. And if you don't know as a Christian, they could really throw you for a loop. You have to read the context. Which one is he talking about? We talked about that before. This is sanctification. Which one, which three is he talking about in the context here? Okay? Uh, we talked about before, you, could, you have the same word, uh, cool, spelled three different ways. Okay, it's, it, it's it, The exact same way, but I could say, hey, that shirt is looking cool, or hey, your attitude towards me is cool, or that wind's blowing tonight, it's kind of cool out there. It, exact same word, spelled the same way, three totally different meanings, based on what? The context it's used in. And it's the same thing when you read the scripture, and you're talking about maturity, you're talking about sanctification, which one is God dealing with? Positional? practical or our future. And I'm telling you, you get those messed up and you're going to get messed up in your theology. Let's talk about the practical, the experiential, okay? But if we are fully sanctified or made holy, and again, he's talking positionally, right? Then why would Peter call on us to be holy yourselves in all your behavior, right? Well, this is because even though at the point of salvation, we receive a holy standing before the Father, that's positional, that's eternal, okay? Secure in Christ, in our experience, we still have the sin nature, okay? That's your next two blanks there. Sin nature, which with to deal with, okay? How you guys like those cards? That's not a good deck to have, okay? That's what we got to deal with, and that's what we saw before, and by review of this, okay, this is how mankind was originally created, Adam and Eve, okay? God made everything, everything was good, okay? Very good, actually, the scripture says, and uh, so, mankind—we are unlike the animals and the plants. Trees have, if you will, not a body like ours, but they got a form, okay. And uh, animals have a soul and a body; they got a mind, a will, and emotions, okay. But they don't have a spirit. So I know it's on a cartoon, but unfortunately, all dogs don't go to heaven. Uh, but then there's a whole theological debate: could God have a? An- uh, and I don't have time to deal with that tonight. Animals in heaven? Hey, he can do whatever he wants to do. And we you need to realize that we're not saved just to forever exist in spiritual bodies. Uh, in heaven, the Bible says that after the millennium, God's creating a new heaven, a new earth, and we're coming back down to earth it would, to forever and ever. And the new heavens, new earth, and just like there's animals now, and there's been animals from the get-go. Wouldn't surprise me if he has animals then, if he wants to do whatever. But, but they don't get saved is the whole point, okay? And this is why when you mow your yard, as we talked before, how many guys are glad when you're out, oh, forget mowing, we don't have mowing out here. Okay, well, this is why when you're tripping uh, your palm trees, or your, you're uh, trimming them, uh how many guys are glad when you sit there and you go mm, and you take that first leaf and you go snap it it doesn't go oh! right they kind of freak you out but then ladies you'd run and scream guys would go no way do it again bob <laughs> so we have two totally different responses right and this is what because there's just there's nothing they're right it's whatever and that's what new age would say that all is one pantheism all is god the trees the fleas the bees you and me you know whatever the pews and whatever now but dogs or cat, animals they do have a soul do you guys ever notice that your dog has emotions when you come home, what do they do? He's back. Ooh, he's back, man. The man. I like my wiener dogs. But anyway, that's right. Uh, they get in trouble. Mm, you, know, they, you know, they got emotions, right? But they don't have a spirit. Now, why did man have a spirit? Because the Bible says we were created unlike the rest of creation. We were created in God's image. We were created in God's image spiritually and morally. Why spiritually? Why is that important? Because the spirit is eternal. And John 4 says God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, okay? And that we're given a spirit nature unlike the rest of creation, okay, uh, so that we can commune with God. Well, it was all working great until guess what? Sin, right? At that point, the Bible says you became dead in your transgressions and sins, okay? Now, how many guys, uh, before you got saved, you were just a cadaver and people drug you around? Praise God for no, Mike, really? We'll lay hands on you later. I don't have time, we got a lot to cover. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you're moving now, believe you me. Okay, but anyway, so uh, uh, no, we weren't. And so obviously that tells us common sense in that passage, he's talking not physical death, right? Even though we will experience physical death and that's why physical death came into the world is because of sin later, okay? And that's what Adam experienced. Uh, he was talking spiritual death, right? And so now that which we had the ability to commune with God is messed up. We're separated from God. Now we got a dilemma. So we, this shut down, this is our communion and input and intimacy and worship experience with God as we were originally created to be. But now we've got this sin nature. What's the sin nature? It's that part of us that does not want to do anything God says. He wants to do my way or the highway. You know, the whole self-love, self-esteem, self arrest which started with Satan. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, this whole self thing. I want to do my thing, my way. Don't tell me what to do. Me, 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 I, 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 I. Right? And that's what sin is. It's an I problem right in the middle of it. Okay, and that's at the core. So now, if you will, we used to have communion with God, talk to him, him with us, experience that, enjoy that. That's all been cut off. So the only input you will have now as, as a Christian is you got input from the world, from your own sin nature, that rebellious streak, and from spiritual warfare. That's why things are messed up today, in case you haven't wondered. You, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so, but here's what happens after you get born again. Okay, now you've been made, here comes my exciting artwork, spiritually alive right you've been born again it means born from above Jonathan means born from above or born from a higher place when you begin born again at this point the spirit of god comes and dwells within us he seals us for the day of redemption he sanctifies us and now he's inside of us <gasps> that connection's open again but paul says now you just entered the war <laughs> thank you i needed that help on that sound effect Okay, uh, and this is a battle he talks about. He says, this is why now after you got saved, guess what bothers you? Sin. And all of a sudden, you got this strange desire to read the Bible, pray, witness, go to church services, hang out with godly Christians and be encouraged. He says, but that's the war. You still got this guy. You don't lose this guy until we either die and go to be with Jesus Christ, absent from the body to be present in the hymn Second Corinthians 5 eight, or we experience the rapture. Wouldn't that be cool if it happened tonight? Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, and hey, do you guys hear that? Nah, i just kidding. Okay, but anyway, so the trumpet. Okay, that's Pastor Jim. Stop goofing off. That wasn't funny. That scared me. No. <laughs> so, anyway, so, uh, and this is why Paul says you got a war that's going on. Now you have two inputs. You're stuck in the middle, and you got, if you will, honestly, cartoons that depict this, kind of a good way to look at it, if you will. You know, that you got the cartoon with Bugs Bunny, and all of a sudden, poof, here comes the red guy. Don't do that. Don't be nice. Never lie. You hit him over the head with a pan or whatever he's trying to do. And then the angel comes up. Oh, don't do that. That would not be loving. Whatever. And unfortunately, the, and that's true too, then the other little devil guy beats up on the angel guy, kicks him off, and he does the wrong thing. And that's what happens to us. Okay. But if you don't want that to happen, you need to feed the spirit. You need to learn to walk and live and keep in step with the spirit. And that's why it's important as a Christian, not just because the pastor said so, or you just got to do it. You need to feed your spirit, ma'am, okay, with Bible, with prayer, with witness and fellowship. Why? Because those are spiritual things that feed your spirit, that keep your mind on the spirit and the things of God. Okay? So that the by and large of the bulk of your input every single day, your walk, okay, is in the spirit realm, not down here. Okay? The more that you feed the white dog, the more that you starve the black dog, you win. Okay? Okay? And that's what he's talking about here. He says, okay, uh, this is why, even though at the point of salvation, we receive a holy standing before the Father, in our experience, we still got that sin nature. We're in this war. Okay, now, that's the context that he's talking about, this positional uh, salvation. Be ye holy. This is, this is your challenge every day. You get out of bed, Romans chapter six, what are you going to be, Christian? Yes, positionally, we're holy. Praise God. That's secure. But you, what are you going to be? Paul says in Romans 6, are you going to be, make your choice, an instrument of wickedness or an instrument of righteousness? And it's when we make that choice to say, no, I am going to be cognizant. First of all, this ain't going to come easy. I'm in a battle. I'm in a war. And I'm going to fight towards be ye holy, not give in to everything that's trying to drag me down and be unholy. He said, that's what we're talking about. Be ye holy. So God's saying, do this part will you and get out of bed make a conscious decision uh-uh, this if you blow it just get back up do what he says confess your sins he's faithful and just to uh, forgive you for your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness then get back up and keep moving forward okay but that's what he's talking about there although a believer's positional sanctification is secure his experiential sanctification may fluctuate because it relates to his daily life and experience Somebody does not want you to be holy. Why? Because this short little time frame as we saw that we have here as Christians, God wants us to be holy because when you are holy, you are like him. And when you are like him as a Christian, you're a wonderful advertisement for him. That's what the enemy doesn't want you to do. That's why he's working. Praise God he can't take away our salvation. That's plan A. That he tries to keep from getting saved. But if you got saved, he moves to plan B. And plan B is Anything and everything but this. Because you'll become strong. You'll become a warrior. You'll become a soldier for Jesus Christ. You'll become a threat to him. You'll be taken over major mega territory, so to speak. And guess what? You're going to be an awesome commercial for Jesus. Souls get saved. People are drawn to him like a moth to a flame. He doesn't want that. That's the thing he can mess with us with. You don't have to be afraid. don't have to walk around in fear. But we need to understand what in the world we're up against uh, when it comes to this experiential sanctification. He says... Uh, We discussed the fact that as Christians, we've been given all that we need to consistently live an obedient life, 2 Peter 1. At this point, it might be good to go back uh, and review that, but please don't do that right now, Byron, because we really need to get moving on this, Uh, maybe later, all right? And uh, he says, God's provision for us consists in delivering us from the reign of sin, uniting us with Christ, and giving us the indwelling Holy Spirit to create a desire for holiness. And we talked about this before, and it's kind of a secondary issue, but I just think it's really unfortunate. And I I just think that when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit who is God, it's like sometimes we, the church, forget that he's the Holy Spirit. And you know what? His primary, he's here to, as as Paul says, as the Bible says, as our deposit, our guarantee, sealing us for the day of redemption. He's God's engagement ring, our bone, okay, that he's not going to renege on his promise. We're going to heaven. But that's not the only thing, okay? He also says that he's there to produce in us holiness. And I think sometimes that people just, they, they turn the Holy Spirit into the exciting spirit, if you will, or the entertainment spirit, or the giggle spirit, or the uncontrollable laughter spirit, with all due respect. And, and you know, I, mean, I know those are secondary issues, and I'm not here to necessarily slam that per se, but I'm just, it's, just, it's unfortunate. Because the whole time you're going down that route, and you're seeking an experience, if you will, just goosebumps on top of your goosebumps, instead of growing as a mature Christian, can I tell you something? You're missing the goal. God does not give us his spirit just for our own titillation. He gives us his spirit to help us to be holy as he is holy. Why? Because he wants us to be mature. He's not there for those other purposes, uh, by and large. I and mean, that doesn't mean that you can't have an experience with God, and them with that, and you have being praying and weeping your eyes out like a baby, and very passionate and preaching and things. I have experienced that all the time. I'm not against that. By and large, that's all. Just people think that the Holy Spirit does and is and what He's here for, and you're missing the whole point. Let's continue on. He says uh, it's consistent, delivering us from the reign of sin, uniting us with Christ, giving us the indwelling Holy Spirit to create a desire for holiness and to strengthen us and to empower us. That's what we said before. We need to rely on his ability. Walk, live, keep in step of the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that thing. And we have to learn to listen, to heed, to yield, to obey as he promises to do it. We aren't doing it in our own strength. He does it. We just get out of the way. We yield. He does it. It works awesome. We have to learn to walk that new way. And so he doesn't just, and that's why I added that in my notes. It's not just a desire for holiness, praise God. It's not just to strengthen us. It's, he's there to empower us, to pull it off. Because how many guys have learned that we can't live like Jesus? Not even for one day, can we? Myself included. No. But here's the good news. I guess that's why it's always going to be. No, that's not what the Bible says. You just need to learn to walk a new life. You learn to walk in the Spirit, whew, he's going to do it. He gives you the ability. Isn't that awesome? He not only saves us by his Spirit, but he gives us his Spirit to do that which he wants us to do. We just go along for the ride. We get blessing after blessing after blessing. What an amazing inheritance we have. Okay, and that's what he's talking about. Now, overcoming barriers. Now, this is what we're talking about. This is a serious battle we face every single day, isn't it? Well, how, how are we gonna get out of that? How, how are we gonna be ye holy as God is holy? This experiential sanctification, How's does that take place? Well, that's what he's talking about. God's given us some equipment, if you will, to help us do that. And again, he could just say, he could save us and say, all right, I'll get you to heaven. I'm gracious, I'm merciful to you. Now, you're on your own. (laughs) He doesn't do that. He gives us the spirit, and as we're gonna see, he gives us more things to do that, which he wants us to be. He's given us, as Peter says, that's that text, 2 Peter, everything we need for life and godliness, okay? Let's take a look. We've already discussed the barriers we're gonna experience in that process, the sanctification process, and dealing with temptation. And we saw that our sources of temptation to sin To be ye unholy as this world is unholy. Because you can flip it around. That's what's going on. Okay. We saw that our sources of temptation to sin are the world. Is your next blank there? The flesh. Man, whatever you do, don't eat meat products. No, that's not the flesh he's talking about. That's a Christianese code word. Okay. That basically is talking about the sin nature. Okay. That's a Christianese code word for a lot of people today. What's that mean? That's that part of you. That only wants to do what you want to do and say, "Yeah," You know, like our kids have. Pick up that toy. What do they say? Yes, sir, Captain, sir, I love you, Pops. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Dreaming, nothing. <Yeah. laughs> no, we've all been born with that. David said, surely I was born in sin. You know, surely from the time my mother conceived me. It's that rebellious nature that does not want to listen to authority, uh, to, to, to God's authority. Uh, we want to do our own thing, okay? And the devil, okay? Demons, I, you, know, de- you know, I don't know if any of us have really been uh, such great Christians, myself included, that we'd actually be targeted by the devil himself. Certainly demons, I'll give you that, but that's kind of our Christianese phrase of putting in the battle. We, we say the world, the flesh, and the devil. Top of the page, 65. This would be a good time to review that uh, chapter, Byron, but please, again, refrain, Maybe later. We've got to keep moving on. Although we have barriers to experiential sanctification, we've been given three powerful tools to overcome these barriers, which we will now discuss. No more waiting. Uh, let's also be reminded of the fact that experiential sanctification will be very slow, listen, until we choose to make Christ the Lord of our lives. Now that's a wonderful christian statement. I've got to say a couple things about that. It's kind of like one of those little pet pee things. Hey, can I tell you something? Jesus Christ is Lord whether we want to make him Lord or not. Right? So that's kind of a little pet peeve in mine. You don't make him Lord. He's Lord. It's more acknowledging the fact of that who he is. Then I understand a little bit of that Christianese. I believe what he's trying to say because he says, and commit to live out all that he commanded us to do. It's getting to that point. Sometimes I think it happens when you first get saved. Sometimes I think it happens later. I don't, you know, everybody's got different walks and whatever. But you get to that point where Paul says in Galatians 20, for me to live is myself. Because it's all about me. God gets the back burner. I'll give him some leftovers once in a while. And I'll try to show up on Sunday. And I'm going to demonstrate just how spiritual I am. I'm going to make it to Wednesday. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, praise God. He said, for me to live is what? Christ. Do you understand that? Paul, I love I love uh, Greek greek is cool let's greek out okay paul he said for, what does he say when he says that guys I'll break that down for me to live that's his whole life that's everything he thinks about that's all i can think about doing that's all that's on my brain i can't get it off my brain this is all i dream about this is what i plan about this is what i pray about this is my focus this is my direction this is my life is christ how about us do we eat and breathe it's all about jesus Or do we eat and breathe that he's sort of somewhere in there, but by and large, the deciding factor of our decisions, our emotions, our direction, everything we do is me. You get to that point he's talking about, what's going to help you in this maturity process to be holy, you got to get to that point where it's like, for me to live is Christ. I get it now. It's not me. I must decrease, he must increase. It's about Jesus. My, my, my mind, my will, my emotions, this body, this life, my hands, my feet, my eyes, everything, wherever I go, the direction, how I speak, these aren't my lips anymore. These aren't my ears anymore. These aren't my eyes anymore. This isn't my body. I've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He's redeemed me. He brought me out, and bought me out of the slave market of sin from Satan. It's his life. And every day we get up, as Jesus. What do you want to do with your life? And it doesn't stop there. Every minute of the day that's going through your brain and you get to that point, I'll guarantee you, this is going to come a whole lot better. That's what he's talking about. Have you got to that point? I know he's using make Christ law. He's not. But have you got to that point where for me to live is Christ? Paul makes another statement. This is where I want to Greek out with you. This is cool. Talk about uh, uh, cartoons. Scubalon. It's almost like you can can see the mystery machine pulling up in the parking lot. No, that's Scooby-Doo, but that's close. Okay, Scubalon. What's he talking about? Paul says not only for me to live uh, is Christ. He says, and I consider everything else as... Some translations try to soften it. See, trash or refuge. Some say dung. That's literally what it is. He said everything else in life, it's not only... By the Spirit of God, I've gotten to that point. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is this. And the rest of this stuff, the world, the flesh and the devil and all the junk that they throw out me to tempt me, it's a pile of dung, a scuba on. That's what it means. Now this'll preach. Because you flip it around and you think about, man, how we must grieve God's heart, myself included. Because here we have Jesus Christ, God, the son of God. He's given us all these things and he wants to commune with us. He wants to use us. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness to be like him, to be that commercial for him. And he's done all this freely on the cross. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. We're not going to hell. We don't get what we deserve. We're going to heaven. And he says, no. Today, I want to play with my pile of dung." Ruth, you want to see it? Have you guys seen this? For me to live is dung. That's what he's saying. When we choose, isn't isn't that that convicting? After all God's done for us, we're out in the backyard playing with dog piles. For me to live is this. Get a new life. (laughs) Paul says that's what the world is. In comparison to the riches in Christ. What are we doing? You make that choice. Uh-uh, it's Jesus now. I'm stepping over the line, so to speak. I'm, I'm, I'm done in the backyard with those dung piles. I got something better going on now. He, that's gonna help, okay? But he's also gonna give you some other things. We're gonna talk about that. Uh, he says, at this point, this is where we use a couple more Christianese phrases. We talked about this before. Consecration or dedication, right? Paul's dedicated for me to live as Christ. And the back half of that, and I consider everything else as a big pile of dung compared to knowing Christ and living for Him. I'm dedicated to Him. Consecrate, set yourself apart. That's the, same th- the root word that we're talking about with sanctification, to set apart. I've been consecrated for Christ. This life is His. He set me apart. I'm dedicated to Him. I've gotten to that point. It's all about Him. That's what he's talking about. We must be willing to allow the word of God and the spirit of God to conform our attitudes, our actions, our words, and his desire. Now, we got three powerful tools he's given us to assist us in this process. And number one is the word of God. The word of God. The indwelling and interceding Christ. Okay? And the indwelling spirit. All right? Let's take a look at the word of God. The psalmist states, Thy word I hid in my heart that I might what? When that column on Jeopardy. Amaze the rest of those Sunday school students of how inept they are on their biblical knowledge. (laughs) No, what's the purpose of learning God's word? So I might not sin. What's that? Oh, that's right. That's the opposite of what we're working towards. Holiness. Why are we even reading the word of God? Are we in there reading the word of God looking for loopholes so we can continue to sin? We're missing the point. Are we reading the Word of God? And when He convicts us of sin and illuminates sin, we rationalize it away. Turn the page, or we're we, are we doing that game that we talked about before. Preachers preaching, preaching something. The Word of God convicts you, and all of a sudden you look at your spouse. <laughs> what well, do you think? Maybe <laughs> it was for you too. <laughs> you know, the elbow, the eye. Maybe all the games we play that I might not sin against you. I, this real cool story I came across here. Uh, uh, whether it's true or not, whatever. It says, an Arab man in the desert awakened in the middle of the night and was very hungry. And he lit a candle and began to eat the dates beside his bed. He took one, he held it up to the light and he saw though there was a worm in it. Blech. So he threw it outside the tent. He took a second date and he held it up to the light and he saw there's another worm. So he threw it out the tent. And the same thing happened the third time and he's chucking them. And, and finally he just, listen, blew out the candle Grabbed the days, Stuffed them in his mouth. Not wanting to face reality. Isn't that gross? We're a vessel for Jesus. How many times do we read the word of God or we hear it preached at us at a Wednesday night service, a Sunday school class, or a Sunday sermon or wherever and it convicts us and God illuminates the worms in our lives. No, no. That's not what it's for. He wants to get the worms out. How many guys, if somebody told you, listen, I know you can't see this, but uh, the reason why Pastor Billy stays so skinny is because we took an x-ray and he has 14 tapeworms in his gut and he's eating for 17 people now. That's why he can eat and just never. If somebody told you, listen, you got a whole big old pile of worms inside you, what would your response be? That's cool with me. <laughs> get these things out of me. But just even thinking about they're in there. <laughs> Although I might make some cash to get on that show Monsters Inside Me. But uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I guess I just think you're positive. But you want to get them out, right? Okay. Sin. God wants to get the worms out of us too. And when we read His Word, He's given us so this can take place, so we can live up to that which we are, so then we can mature. Turn to somebody and say, hey, get the worms out. Right? You do that when you read the Word of God. It's not there for your own titillation or head knowledge. That's not the intent. Or amaze your friends, okay? 2 Timothy 3.16, it is declared all Scripture is inspired of God. It's profitable for doctrine or teaching. But that's not it. What's the next one it does? Reproof? How many of you guys love being reproof? Whoa! Ooh, hope I can beat my record today. 15, let's go. Hey, hey oh, what's the next one? For correction. Yeah. Man, isn't it awesome being corrected? Yeah, it's convicting, yeah. And of course, for instruction in righteousness. You know, this path we're talking about, okay? That the man of God may be absolutely missing out on life. Tortured. Bored. Well, that's what the enemy says, right? If you follow God, you're missing out on life. I think I better wait till, you know, I just get older and I'll just do my own thing. And then maybe I'll think, excuse me? God's way is the best way. Okay, always. And he says that, he says, perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay, it says God's word abides in the believer that he is in the place of spiritual achievement. There is little hope for victory. Is your next blank there? Victory in daily life on the part of those believers who, being ignorant of the word of God, do not know the nature of their, underline that word, conflict. Do you get it? I really think that the reason why oftentimes we get overcome by temptation is because we forget we're in a conflict. This is a war. It's not gonna get easy. It, it, it won't. It, it won't stop until we get to heaven. Yeah, that's a lot of tension, but guess what? It's worth it. You're absolutely Right? Right? When we a lot of military here, right? You get stationed over war, right? What do you do in the middle of the battle? <laughs> I just I'm so tired of this. I'm just gonna sit down. I'm going AWOL. No, it, it, you don't. I mean, you just it's part of being in a battle. That's what you deal with. You work together as a team. As a church, you are supposed to be I mean, you encourage one another. You fight with one another. You you, you heal one another, you love one another, and that's a whole other sermon. And, and, and do all that stuff, and you keep moving forward because you know you're in a battle. And you don't get to rest until it's done. It's not done until we get to heaven. Right? And so you just keep swinging, you just keep fighting. Now, Dr. Couchman at Seminary says, Man, he says, Me personally, I'm going down with the Bible in one hand, swinging with the other. It's just, it's just the way it goes. Chalk it up. We are in a conflict. This is a war. It's not going to get easy. And I'm telling you, we set ourselves up for failure because of this Americana attitude because we just want the easy life. It ain't happening. Not if you really want to be practically sanctified. Oh, yeah, if you want to skip over that and sit on your blessed assurance, okay, because you got your fire insurance, okay, he's got you. You probably won't face a whole lot of resistance. Do you realize how many worms you got inside of you? I don't want worms. Okay, let's continue on. He says, we got a conflict, we need to remind that. And that's what the word of God tells us, right? How many military terms does God use to describe us as Christians? A lot, okay? And of the, here's the good news, the deliverance he's provided. You don't read the word of God, you'll never discover that. You don't read the word of God, you'll never understand that you're not just in a conflict, but God has shown us the way out. And that he's given us everything that we need. You'll never get that. And so even if you realize, yeah, I'm in a war, I'm in a conflict, if you don't keep reading, you'll never get to the good news, you're not alone. And you just need to learn to walk in the appropriate way. It's a military term. Walk, keep, in step with the Spirit, as we talked before. That's a military term. It's in cadence. When you got one step up, the Holy Spirit moves, you move right behind him, and you keep moving in cadence like that. That's the way out. You'll never get that if you don't get in the Word of God. You have to get in there. There's little hope of victory is what he's talking about. Okay, over against this, there's no estimating the sanctifying power of the word of God. Our Savior prayed, sanctify them, set them apart. If you're talking a, a practical uh, sanctification, mature them. Okay, how? Through thy truth. Thy word is true. Okay, as well, the Christian must not only be a hearer of the word, but a what? Do or do not become a person whose knowledge of the word is not integrated by his habits of living. Can I tell you who were the greatest people of doing that? The Bible has a name for them. Pharisees. Those guys knew the Bible, so to speak, the Old Testament. Did they live it? No. In fact, the way that they treated God's commands, they took human rules, man-made traditions, and superseded them above the word of God and Jesus called him on the carpet. You white Welsh you brood of snakes, you vipers! You go out there and you try to push all these uh, uh, human-made traditions, and you make people twice as much as the son of hell as you are. How many of you guys were thinking that when Jesus was saying that to the Pharisees, he wasn't whispering or standing there going like, like the artwork depicts? No, he was very intense about it. I believe we must never disunite doctrine, teaching what we get from the Word of God. From what? practice. What's that? That's your daily life with Jesus Christ. We're going to close. I'm just going to read to you. Obviously, I can't read the whole chapter. I mean, I can, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to hit some of the highlights of just Psalm 19. This is just one chapter in the Bible. Granted, a large one, but it's one chapter in the Bible dealing with God's Word and dealing with all the benefits of when you and I take advantage of this equipment that God has given us to To wow our friends, to amaze people. No, to help us in this process of maturity, to be practically sanctified, and being holy more like God. He says this, blessed are those. Now, now what was the word there? Blessed, not torturous. Are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Listen, they do nothing wrong. How many of you guys would like to stop doing wrong stuff and at least get a little bit more on the track record of, it's kind of, you're doing more right things that you know you need to do. Where does it come from? From God's word. They walk in his ways. You have laid down the precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Why? Then I would not be put to shame. You ever been in an embarrassing moment? A sinful, embarrassing moment? Maybe you said something, you know, Ooh, wish I could have taken that one back, but I got to first get my foot on my mouth. Um, you're steadfast in God's word, reading it, obeying it, you will not be put to shame you Want to consider all your commands. Because remember, it's about him, not us. And that's what the Bible reminds us. The decision making, the process, the thinking pattern, everything, it's about God. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might, that's our text, sin against you. You want to experience more victory? Hide God's word in your heart. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. People come over to your house. Hey, got to show you something, guys. Try not to brag. (laughs) Check this out. This is rich, isn't it? Is that our attitude towards the Bible? Are we the secret agent Christian? You know, it's time to pray at lunch. Your co-worker's are around. You're convicted. You know you gotta pray for your meal. That's what we Christians do. You gotta get it done, but they're staring at you. So what do you do? God bless us in Jesus' name. <laughs> Got it done. This is rich, man. You wanna brag on something, so to speak? And I mean, and obviously, in a godly sense. Is that how we treat God's word. That's, it's, it's a great riches. I chew on your precepts. I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Open my eyes that I may see. One, there's wonderful things in here. Isn't it wonderful to read that God has forgiven us of all of our sins? That nothing can separate us from his love in Christ Jesus? Neither death nor light, no height, nor death, nor demons, no sword, no famine. Nor na- hey, we can do all things through Christ. Woo! Isn't that wonderful? Guess where that's at? You're not going to find that in the newspaper. You can find it in God's word. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Your statues are my delight. They are my counselors. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. Get in the word. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about your life. Experience the peace of God. It's when you trust and pray and lay your knees at his feet and walk away. Yeah. That's from the Bible. You don't have to pay somebody for that. Did you know that? Yeah, praise God. Your counselors. I've chosen the way of truth. I set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Don't let me be put to shame. I I run in the paths of your your commands, and for you have set my heart free. It's not bondage to follow God. It sets us free. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your your decrees, then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding. I will keep your law, obey with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for in that I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statues, not towards selfish gain. Turn my ways, uh, eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant, so that you may be feared. What? You mean to tell me that if we want to have more respect, more reverence, more awe of God, that comes from reading His word? Yeah. Because how do you think you're going to find out about him? It's in the Bible. And maybe that's because that's why we have him such low on the totem pole and he gets the back burner and he gets nothing but leftovers from us instead of tops. Remember, he says, seek God. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with some of your heart based on what your calendar says and what you can fit him in sometime. All your heart, your mind, and your soul, right? You get a whole new perspective, the real perspective, the full perspective, at least that he wants to show us in the Bible. Okay, I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom for I've sought about your precepts. I'm gonna speak of your statues before kings and will not be put to shame. I delight in your commands because I love them. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. You're just walking down the street, woo, singing about Jesus, yeah. I got these tapes, it was so funny. I got um, found in one of my old briefcases some old uh, DV tapes of when Rebecca was born, her first year, okay. And you ever do that with your kids? The first baby man, when they drop that pacifier, you boil that baby, and you man, there's oh there's a fly in the room. It's you disinfect everything and you wash everything fifteen times. Second kid comes along, yeah, you're fine. Blow the dirt off. <laughs> so man, we videotaped Rebecca. Billy got like hardly nothing. But anyway, so I found those tapes. <laughs> and it was just so cool. Uh we 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 looked at them and and uh uh we, we where was I at on that? When uh, Oh, the theme song. Okay, so we're watching those tapes, and I'm listening. This was 11 years ago. And we're videotaping her in the living room, and I I could hear the music I was playing. It's Christian music. And it was these Christian CDs I got from Integrity, right? When I first got saved, I got a whole stack of them. And they're really cool because they're all songs sung only, contemporary Christian music, only to Scripture. I got a whole stack of them, right? And And we were watching that. This was like 11 years ago. And I was laughing to the kids. I says, hey, I still play that same music today. And they're, of course, making fun of me. Yeah, it's boring. They call it elevator music. But it's the music that I like because it's Christian music. And the only thing they're singing out of these people's mouths is 100% Bible. And he said, oh, oh God. He says, that's what he says. He says, off your lips, it, it sings a song. I get up and it's like, I'm singing scripture. Is that how much? Uh, we do that. I stand firm uh, with your scripture. Uh, I serve you in the scripture. I, I'm encouraged that I'm not going to perish in my affliction. You preserve my life. You make me wiser than my enemies. I get insight uh, more than all my teachers. I get understanding, more understanding than the elders. I, 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 you keep my feet from every evil path. Your word is sweeter than honey. I gain understanding. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light for my path. I follow your decrees. They bring joy to my heart, uh, to the very end. Listen, my flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in all, oh! because you're learning about S- Streams of tears flow from my eyes when your law is not obeyed. Are we weeping for our country? How far we have fallen? Are we praying for anything of revival? Do we pray more for the economy to turn over, or for people to get saved and revival to come to America? It's the word, word, uh, your law is true. It's my delight. I cry for help. I put my hope in your word. And he says, Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. I obey your statutes for I love them greatly so much. So listen that my, my tongue sing of your word. Why? Because yeah, Pastor Billy said you've got to read the Bible. When I got saved, they said that. They came up to me and said, all right, now what you got to do is you got to start praying and then you got to follow this formula and you got to get a Bible. If you don't have one, I'll give you one. And and that's great. But why? Why? Because this is one of the tools We only got through one of them that God has given us because praise God, he saved us to be ye holy as I am holy. We're saved forever. Praise God. But this little bitty time frame, he wants us to be a positive commercial. It ain't gonna happen until we get into this book. And you wonder why the enemy never wants you in there. You ever wonder why when you have good intentions that next morning, you almost seem twice as tired as you normally are? You ever wonder why when you have good intentions that night, I'm gonna read before I get to bed, You were a Lord active, just cracking a a incredible joke. Hey, did you hear that thing? Ten dollars is ten (laughs) dollars. Okay, let's read the Bible. (laughs) You think that's my chance? Somebody doesn't want you in here because they don't ever want you to turn out to be that positive commercial for Jesus. Lord willing, next week we're going to get about the indwelling, interceding Christ and the Holy Spirit, and hopefully finish up this chapter. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy... And we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall to give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another 10 commandment says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. uh, uh, Even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead. Okay, that's the same thing. Uh, It's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what do we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are, and we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief, I'm a blasphemer, I'm an adulterer, I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God, both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The, The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, "Hey listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes you're going to not just jail, you're going to await uh, in jail to go to the death penalty." And did you know that there actually is a way? that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon,